we are finally in our series in Joshua to the Battle of Jericho. I know some of y'all thought we would never get there, but there was a lot of steps we had to get through to, to recognize God's processes of taking us from where we are into his promises, into the tomorrows that he has for our lives. And I really encourage you, if you missed any part of this, to go back in the podcast and catch up because it builds on itself. Because honestly, when, when people write about the book of Joshua, they always focus on Jericho. Look, look at what God did. But can I tell you, that Gilgal, which we talked about last week, uh, crossing the Jordan the week before, all these things that were steps of faith were equally important and actually brought about what we're going to read about today. It wasn't just a one, it wasn't just a one episode uh, miniseries. It was, it was understanding that God was building his people back up and showing them his pathway for us to walk in his promises. And today we're going to see that pattern as we see Jericho's walls fall. So pick it up with me in Joshua chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 5. Uh, we're not going to read the rest of the chapter. I, uh, I'll just tell you now, hey, the walls fall, okay? So you know that, end of the story. But let's just get ourselves there. So now, verse 1, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, and this is very important, if you're old school and you got a Bible, underline this or highlight whatever you need to do. He said, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Now march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. One of the things that we have to guard ourselves against when we read the stories of the Bible is that we don't take the, the miraculous over-the-top stories and somehow relegate them to kids' stories. You know, that, that's a great story, Pike. That should be like on the, on the kids' uh, app, or it should be like up on the screen somewhere, or in my day, flannel graph up on the wall. You know, that's a, that's a good thing for the kids. And we miss, and we make light of what God actually wants us to see in the middle of a story that's almost overwhelming in its, in its gasp. You see, I really think many people struggle when they read about the miracle working of God to, to, to get that, that intellectual side that says, did that really happen that way? Well, 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 there must be some natural explanation. It can't be that they just shouted and, and the walls came down. Can I tell you that it is no less of a miracle that that was actually caused by an earthquake? I don't know that it was or not, but it'd be no less of a miracle because think about it. God said, Joshua, seven days march, come around, do this, and I can tell you, at this very moment, the walls are going to fall down. It's no less a miracle that God says, I know an earthquake is coming, but it's going to come at this exact day, at this exact moment, because these walls are a barrier to your tomorrow. Listen, it's not the primary focus of this message, but I want us to get in that mind frame that understands what it says in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 11, that, that, that book that we call the Hall of Fame of Faith, where it just kind of brings all the characters in, in Hebrews 11 verse 30, it says, by what? Talk to me. What does it say? Now, let's, let's actually say it. That means moving our lips. So by what? Faith. There we go. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army marched around them for seven days. You know, it was very different what happened here. You know, you think about it, what we, what we get excited about. We, uh, 
I know there's a couple of football games. Is anybody really interested in that at all? You know, I know New England's already bought off the refs. I'm just saying. It's just, you know. That wasn't in my notes. That was, I think that was annoying. But anyway, um, what, what do we do? We typically wait till something good happens. Then we get excited, right? Touchdown. Woo! Then we get excited, right? Or boo, depending on who you are. But, but yet we, we wait till something happens. Then we get excited. I mean, think about it. Even as a spiritual journey, we wait till the answer, the prayer is answered to start giving God praise sometimes. We wait till the healing comes before we're willing to say, God, you are a great God. We wait till the provision arrives before we say, oh, God, we knew all along you were going to come through. But can I tell you, what God was doing here, he was setting up a pattern that you and I need in our lives today. What he was saying was, listen, you applaud first. You give the shout first. You, you just, get, just get excited. Even though you've seen nothing, and I'm going to pull the veil back, and I'm going to show you something that happened that you won't even believe. You see, God has patterns that he works through in our lives. And they, they are, they're both in the Old Testament and they're renewed in the New Testament that show us that the path of victory, the path of conquering, the path of coming into our tomorrows, is not so much about us doing something special, but it's about him revealing his power in us at his moment, at his time. It's, it's a principle that we all need to get into our lives because it's found in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, a very short verse, easy to memorize. It says, for we live by faith and not by sight. What he's saying is, you go ahead and praise before you see it. You go ahead and worship before it comes. You go ahead and give God glory because he has said, I will come through for you. And we don't always have to wait until we see it with our sight. Oh, for the children of Israel, just to get a picture of this story, think about this. Here they are, this bunch had come through the, the wilderness journeys. They had, they'd seen their parents and grandparents die out because of the lack of faith. They, they come and God miraculously brings them across the Jordan. And now, what do they do? They walk up and they see this city called Jericho. It's right in the way of their, of their promise. They were promised the land. And Jericho, just so you get it in your mind, it's, it's a real city. Archaeologists have, have uncovered it. And, and there's some interesting things about it because Jericho was something that was absolutely foreboding in the sense of it was just massive. Jericho was literally on about six acres, they say, the actual city. There are about 1,500 inhabitants in there. But if you were to approach it in the sense of we're going to take that city, you would have to go, how in the world is that going to happen? Because Jericho was built on top of a large mound. So when you think of the walls of Jericho, there are actually two wrapped around the city. You'd have to go up this very steep embankment to come to this, this retaining wall that would be about 15 feet tall. And on top of that retaining wall, they built a, a brick wall at about 25 feet higher than that. And if you were so lucky as somehow to breach that first wall, guess what? You've got another steep incline that brings you up to the second wall that is actually 35 foot tall. So from the matter of walking by sight, it would be easy for the children of Israel to go, God, you're a big God, but that's just, you know, that we can't do that. In fact, their former generation had done the exact same thing. We won't go back and read it, but in Numbers, uh, we would read the story of Moses coming to that same place where he sent the spies into the promised land and said, go check it out. I want you to see this land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be awesome. And the spies came back and said, indeed, it flows with, with milk and honey. But Moses, we've got to tell you something. They've got giants there. Their cities reach to the heavens. And, and, and literally, that land devours people, Moses. And we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. In fact, we see ourselves that way. And it was because of that 
living by sight, not by faith. They didn't go into the promised land at that moment. You see, sight will always say it's impossible. Sight will always look at your circumstance and look at things around you and say, oh, it'll never change. Sight will look at things and say, oh, I'm not, I'm not significant enough for God to, to work in, or God, God can't love me the way he loves you, or, or Pastor Mike, that's good for you, but God doesn't work that way in my life. Can I tell you that God is not a respecter of persons? He loves each one of us equally, and his power is equal for all of us, yet he says by faith we take hold of his promises. You see, when sight says it's impossible, faith replies, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When, when sight says you, it, it's not going to happen, it's not going to work, we, we, we see where God says that even when you are unfaithful, I am faithful. Because God is not a man like us. He will not lie. He doesn't change. He doesn't shift like shadows. So today what I want us to see in this story is not just a celebration of walls coming down. Now we're going to pray for that at the end. I want you to be ready. We're going to actually have a, a time of prayer up in the front this morning because I really believe God has spoken to me about some things he wants to do in us. But what I want us to do today is I want to share with you one principle that we got to get into our minds and our hearts when it comes to breaking through obstacles to our tomorrow. And then, then, then I want to see three tactics, all right? Three tactics that God used to show them his power at Jericho. So let's start with the first. This is the overarching principle. And it simply says this. God gives and then we possess. God gives and then we possess. God always goes first. God always acts before us. He always sets things up, but we've got to possess them by faith. Think about it in this before we go into the story. How are we saved? We are saved by faith, right? It's by, by faith. It's, it's grace. It's, it's only something he's done for us. We take hold of it by faith. So what he's saying is, I've already done it. If you're here and you don't know Christ, can I tell you, God's already made the path for you. He, he's already cleared the way through his son's sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. But you have to have faith to take a hold of that and say, I believe. And then salvation flows at that moment. So God does first. God, God promises. He gives. Then we possess. Verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. Now all Joshua could see was the walls. But God says, I've already given it to you. I've already given it to you, Joshua. You just need to possess this, and I'm going to show you how to do that. That's been a constant throughout this whole series. But we've got to remind ourselves of this principle. And we've got, to, we've got to get it into our heart and our spirit because so often when God reveals to us maybe a, a part of our future or maybe a, a path of ministry or maybe a, a new challenge in our lives, we go into the mode of, oh my, it's all on me. Well, how am I going to do this? But we need to remind ourselves where God calls, he equips, where God shows us, he leads. So he says, if this is for you, I've already done it. But your faith is going to determine whether you walk in it or not. You, we've got to remind ourselves because we have a tendency to forget what God has done for us. You ever struggle with that? I, I have to confess, I do. You hit some real challenging points, and, and it's like you go back to square one with God, and you're like, oh, God, how are we going to do this? And then you stop, and like, oh, yeah, God has done this, 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 this in my life. That's why we should memorialize our events and our prayers of what God has done in us because our human tendency is to forget. But Jericho was real. And God says, listen, I've already promised it to you. Faith possesses what God has already promised. Get that into your spirit this morning. But Jericho was real. And it represented a real obstacle to the children of Israel. Think about it. The Jordan, that was miraculous. God rolled back the Jordan River they crossed. But the Jordan was part of nature. God has created power over. But Jericho was filled with real people, with real warriors, 
with people that had no, no plan on their minds to, uh, to give up. They were ruthless people. The Canaanites in Jericho, they, they were horrendous in their pagan ways. Their form of worship was child sacrifice. Sexual exploitation was part of their worship. They were people that were not just sitting back going, God, your will be done. They were standing in the way of the children of Israel. But in the same way, Jericho stands in our way sometimes. And it's not a matter of being a, a people out to, to fight us, but it literally represents the strongholds that so often you and I are bound by that keep us from possessing what God has promised us. You see, a stronghold, an obstacle in our, our lives is not a walled city. Can I tell you, the, the things you battle are not always circumstantial, although we think they are. And neither is it always people. Oh, well, you know, I, I'd like to fulfill that dream, Pastor, but, you know, there's someone in my way or, or you know, someone else is already doing that. Listen, your issue is not circumstances. Your issue is not, prom, is not people when it comes to possessing God's promises in our lives. Our issues are really right here. They're in the strongholds of our thinking. They're in the strongholds of our believing. They're in the strongholds of our, our trusting. You see, Jericho represents a place in our lives, any place in our lives, get this in your heart, any place in our lives where we hold to a belief that is contrary to God's promises. See, that's the definition of a stronghold. It's where, where, where anywhere do we hold to a belief that is contrary to God's promises. Let me give you a couple of illustrations here. It's like the person that, that will say, Pastor, I, God, God can't forgive me. God, God can't, I, there, there's such a guilt in their lives that has formed this bondage in their thinking that says, I am beyond God's redemption. Can I tell you, there's no one beyond God's redemption. Can you give me an amen to that? No, we, we were all sinners saved by grace. But yet a stronghold forms. Strongholds are not just for believers, they are for humans. And we all can have them in our lives and guilt is a big one. Pride is another one. I'm, I'm just not worth anything. God, God can't love me. My, I've heard that from my dad. I heard from my grandpa, I, my siblings. I'm just, I am the lowest of the low. God cannot use me. You need to read the Bible. Because can I tell you something? You're probably the most likely candidate for God to use when you see yourself like that. Because God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And that gives me a lot of hope. And I hope it does for you too. But yet we get these strongholds of thinking in our lives. Condemnation, shame, embarrassment. All these things the enemy uses to demean us to the point that we have no confidence that God's promises are for us. They've gotta be for somebody else. Hurts that cause us to stop trusting God. Arrogance that says, I don't need God and I don't need his people. Strongholds. And the Bible speaks very clearly about strongholds for us as believers. It tells us that, that just as God has a specific plan for the Israelites to overcome Jericho, he has a specific plan on how you and I are set free from the strongholds of life. But it just may not be the way you think it's going to happen. Say, Pastor, where do you get that? 2 Corinthians 10. Great chapter to spend some time in. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says this. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have what kind of power? It's not human, is it? Hey, just grit it out, brother, you'll make it. No. Hey, just work a little bit harder, you'll make it. No. It says it has divine power to what? Demolish strongholds. It, it doesn't say it has divine power to like 
damage them, you know, where you got a little bit of freedom. It doesn't say like it has divine power to, to, to give you just a little bit of nudge of freedom. You know, he says he has divine power he's given us to demolish the strongholds in our lives. But it goes so against our nature. Human nature always takes it on as I've got to stack everything in my favor if I'm going to break through this. I've got to bring every resource there is around me. I've got to have everything I need to confront the challenge, call in the army, pull out the big guns, let the real warriors get there, because our human nature says it's all on us. Yet the Holy Spirit seeks to remind us every single day, your God is sufficient for you. Your God is faithful to you. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And when it comes to breaking free, we've got to recognize it is him that sets us free, not by our own strength, not by our own power, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. And he showed the Israelites this and how they took on Jericho. There are three things he told them to do. Three things that we look at and go, what was that about? But they're really simple, but yet they are bold. He told them, he said, I want you to do three things. I want you to walk in the spirit of trust. I want you to praise in the spirit of faith. And I want you to shout when I tell you to shout. And we're going to break all of those down this morning because they speak to us breaking free. And the first is we need to walk in the spirit of trust. Look at verse 10 in Joshua chapter 6. It says, but Joshua commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until I tell you to shout, then shout. And what he was saying to them was, we're going to walk trusting the promises of God, and we're not going to talk ourselves out of them. We're going to walk according to the promises of God, and we're not going to let the power of words take our faith away from him and somehow to put it on us in some arrogant way like, hey, God, we've got this. What he was saying was, when the odds are stacked against you, when you've chosen the course of trusting God, sometimes we just need to walk and stop talking so much. Do not nudge your husband or wife. It's true. Because what happens is we start telling our own story. Well, I know God's word says this, but, you know, I just don't know that it's going to work that way for me because, you know, I've, I, don't, I don't have the faith that someone else has. And, and we just start just going down this whole line of why things are not going to be there. And before long, we have given up all hope that God is going to come through. That's why you need to be careful who he's even around you when you're going through times where God is trying to break you out. Because there are well-meaning people in churches all over the world today that will tell you God can't in your circumstance. When my Bible says God can and he will. And you've got to decide who you're listening to. So it was to the Israelites, he says, I want you to walk in a way where you're saying your trust is in me no matter what anybody else says. Can I tell you, they had to look pretty foolish walking around those walls. I don't think... The Canaanites were calling out like, you know, G-rated uh, exhortations about them walking around the wall. I got to believe they were talking trash. I think they were using words we hadn't even imagined. I mean, they were just laying it out there because, stupid, you're walking around the walls. What kind of army are you? you got a band out front. Come on. Because they were warriors. But yet they walked silently. They walked with focus. And sometimes when it comes to being set free from things that bind us, we need that focus to keep our minds, our eyes, our focus on God, the right one who's able to set us free. It's why in Philippians 4.8, a life verse that if you don't have this in you, you need to get in you. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Can, do you know there are things that are actually true in our world today? 
And there are things that are absolutely wrong in our world today. And there's absolutely ways that are thinking that are true, and there's ways of thinking that are absolutely wrong. And he says, you need to start right there. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are right, can I tell you, God's word is right for you. And if he says this is sin, then guess what? It's sin. If he says this is for blessing, it's for blessing. There's no middle ground in that. So he says whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely or admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Can I tell you, if you are walking through a place where you know God is wanting to break you free of a bondage of thinking or a bondage of circumstance, begin to think upon the things that God has promised you. Begin to walk in a way where you say, God, I trust you. And every time the the story starts getting rewritten in your mind where you want to start speaking doubt, just be quiet. Just just be quiet. One of the young ladies in our freedom group last said, I went through a shut-up season. And I had to laugh my belly. I I never thought about that, but it's like God said, just shut up. Now, I think God uses better language than that, but he was just saying, be quiet. Don't talk yourself out out of it. We've got to walk in the spirit of trust. The second is we've got to praise in the spirit of faith. He says, seven, have seven priests carry trumpets. This is verse four. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. I just got to know how many, and and please receive this as an affectionate term, how many band geeks do we have in here this morning? Because I was one of them. Really? That's all? Sherry, what'd you play? Oh, God, I believe that. All right. Justin, I, 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 yeah, I I guess that. What did you play? Oh, okay. Come on, somebody else. Claire, band geeks understand some things. I was a band geek till my junior year. Now, remember, I grew up in Texas, so where football reigns, I literally got recruited out of the band to play football. It's like, put down the trombone, boy, I need a linebacker. You know, that, that was it. That's all it took. Uh, but but we, we understand some things. Bands do not march to the beat of trumpets, do they? No, they march to the beat of, Justin, drums, right? But there's significance in seeing what God did here. And I want you to get this. I'm not, I'm not trying to blow something out of proportion. There's significance that he says, I don't want the priest going out blowing trumpets before you. I want them playing a a loud sound before you. It's not by chance that God said, I don't want the human effort of even beating the drums to be the thing that leads you. I want the breath of your lives bringing praise to me. You see, the trumpets are what we call a wind instrument, right? They don't happen just because you want to. They happen because the very breath that's inside of you has to come out of you in a way that creates a sound that everyone else can go to and hear. It's it's no different than understanding when we were studying the Holy Spirit that in both the New Testament and the Old Testament, the word for spirit in the Bible, both both words mean the exact same thing, whether it's the uh, the raosh, the rauk, however you say that in the Old Testament, or the pneuma of the New Testament. The word for spirit is breath. It's wind. It's the breath in my lungs that I sing out your praise. I sing out your praise. It's the breath in my life that I will exert to give glory and honor to God. It's the breath in me that reminds me I am God's. And because of that, I need to learn to praise God. In the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to learn to, I need to, learn to, to begin to, to praise before the event happens. Can I tell you, when we gather together on Sunday mornings, 
When we gather together in homes, wherever we meet, there's something that all of us need to do on a daily basis, but there's something powerful when we gather together. When we take our breath and we say, Lord, the Holy Spirit you've placed in us, the very breath of our creation, God, we're going we're to let words come out of our mouths, God. We're going to speak them out, God. And we're going to call things that are as though they are not. I mean, not, we're going to call things into existence. We're going to speak by faith, God, in our praise, even if we don't feel it in our flesh. God promises we possess he says, sometimes you just got to walk and be quiet. But there's going to come a point you need to start praising forward. You need to start praising forward the event. God, I thank you that you are setting me free, God, from the bondage of guilt and shame. God, I'm thankful, God, that you are, you are providing in this circumstance, God, that I don't know, I can't see a way out of, God. God, I thank you and I praise you, God, that, Lord, you can move heaven and earth, God, if it means your will being done in my life. There's something about coming to that point of saying that it is the Spirit, not our sweat, that is going to cause us to walk in victory. It, our, our victory depends on wind. It doesn't, it doesn't depend on works. It's not a matter of us giving more effort. It's us, us saying, Lord, the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in me. And I think that's enough power to break any situation in my life. So God, I'm gonna raise my voice and I'm gonna praise you. God, I'm gonna speak it out. I'm gonna sing it out. It's why the prophet Zechariah, when he's talking about the mountain-sized obstacle that was in front of him, said it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, gang, there is nothing, nothing greater than a continual praise as you're facing the obstacles of life. Because when you're praising God, you're not talking yourself out of God's promises. When you're praising God, you're not bringing God down to your level. You're lifting your eyes to his level. When you're praising God, what you're doing is you're by faith saying, God, I know that you are faithful. I know you are able. And God, I'm not going to stop trusting you, and I'm not going to talk myself out of it. So we've got to learn to walk in that spirit of praise. Spirit praises first. Faith praises first to receive what God has already promised us. There's a last thing this morning. And this is the one where people struggle the most, I think. And that's where the third tactic was. He says, when I tell you to shout, shout. Oh, don't, let's don't get emotional right now, Pastor. Calm down, calm down. We're in Charlotte. We're sophisticated. Joshua 6, verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted at the sound of the trumpet. And when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. You see, back in verse 5, the Lord had already said to Joshua, look, there's going to come a point. You're going to hear something. The spirit is, of praise is going to echo. When you do, you command the army. They're going to shout with a great shout. Then you will see the victory. Now, here's the question. Did the shout knock down the walls? I don't know. Bible doesn't tell me. Oh, I'm sure there's an engineer here that will tell me somehow, because we have lots of engineers near, that somehow there was this resonance of a certain tone, blah, blah, blah. I'd like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. All I know is God said shout. And can I tell you, I, I, I honestly believe that God was not playing games with them. He wasn't trying to whip them up into some emotional, this big display of emotionalism. But what he was saying was, if you're willing to obey me, if you're willing to do what I ask, even if it may appear to you to look foolish, can I tell you breakthrough will come because you're showing me your trust in you. See, I don't know what the deal is about shouting. I, 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 don't, I don't get it either. 
But the Bible does say some interesting things about, uh, about shouting, about clapping hands, and, and even about lifting hands and praise. We're not doing like spiritual gymnastics when we come together on Sunday mornings. We're trying to follow the patterns of God's Word, and it's not that we necessarily understand them. But can I tell you, there is breakthrough when you stop thinking so much more of yourself than you think of God that you're afraid to let loose and let actually a praise rise up out of you. That was good preaching. Psalm 47. Verse 1, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. It doesn't say give God a tennis clap. It says there are times you've got to clap your hands. And in my mind, I've seen this in circumstances of services. I've seen it in my own life. There are times where the enemy is putting so much pressure on, on a people or on yourself, and it just seems like it's, it's overwhelming you, that there comes a point in praise where you're, the, the clapping of the hands, it's, it's like, trying to, like trying to make a cat get out of the room, right? Because cats are from the devil anyway. So you're just trying to get them out of the room. It's not just, oh, yay, Jesus. He's not up there going, thank you, thank you, it's enough, it's enough. No, but it's just saying, I will obey the Lord. And there are times when he says to clap, we got to be willing to clap. There's times in Psalm 32, 11 where he says, rejoice in the Lord and be glad. You righteous, sing, all you who are upright in heart. And you say, oh, pastor, you've never heard me sing. That's why you're not up here, you're out there. But it's still important to sing. Because something about singing, it takes the breath again, that, that breath God has given you when it brings out a praise to God. Psalm 149, verses 5 and 6 says, Let his faithful people rejoice in, in his honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Listen, there's something about getting out of yourself. There's something about breaking free from this resistance of just being seen as being different. Listen, we, we're a smart bunch around here. I don't, I don't want to even begin to count the PhDs sitting in this room. We're a smart bunch. But can I tell you, a challenge we have is we can so over-intellectualize our faith that we're afraid to do the very things God said to do. And we see throughout the word them bringing forth God's victory in people's lives. And it's not about emotion. I'm not about emotionalism. I, I preach some pe places, people will amen anything. It's like my dog ass fleas. Amen, brother. Praise God. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I was preaching about Job one time. The guy's amen. And I'm like, you're not listening. Probably, it's, it's just, yeah, I, I'm not about emotionalism, and neither is God. God's not trying to whip us up into some frenzy. Neither was he doing that in the Israelites. But what he was doing was he was getting their preoccupation off of themselves and onto him. And so often that's our difficulty in breaking through in parts of life. Because when we do things in obedience to God, what it does, it, that outward expression of faith confronts our preoccupation with self. Well, God, they're going to think I'm radical. They don't even think about you. Can I help somebody out this morning? You know, you're in a worship service. Oh, you know, if I, if I raise my hands, they're going to think, I, they're not even thinking about you. Maybe the person's behind you, bless them, pray for them. It doesn't matter. Because it's not them you're worried about. It's not them that you're trying to bring glory to. It's God. 
And there comes a time where we just got to challenge that, that preoccupation with social acceptance and also challenge fanaticism where, where some people shout for no reason at all. You got you to find that place. You see, I believe God wants to challenge all of us in the areas what I call our margins. I really think God wants to challenge us because it's different for every one of us. I learned to praise and I learned to, to worship God as a teenager. And, and honestly, it wasn't even the church I was in. There was just something that I experienced when, when one day, even in the old hymns and choruses, and I just one day said, all right, God, I'm going to lift my hands. What's going to happen here, you know? And, 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 and it happened. It's just like, whoa, what, what just took place there? I'm going to clap my hands, God, not because I've got rhythm, but because your word tells me to. God, if you say shout, I'm going to shout. If you say kneel, I'm going to kneel because, God, I want you more than anything else in my life. Can I tell you, that's where breakthrough begins to happen when you can make that statement of saying, God, I want you more than anything else in life. But we have margins. And the question really is, are we going to obey Scripture and the prompting of the Holy Spirit when it means getting out of our comfort zones and abandoning our cares as to the possible judgments of others? So here's what I want to question. This is what we're going to question, then we're going to wrap it up, and we're going to pray, all right? So, <laughs> this may be more of us, to the quiet, reserved, chill among us. How many would acknowledge that's you? That's what I thought. If God says shout, are you willing to shout? That's really where it's at. Now, to the loud out there, come on, Casey, don't cramp my style kind of people. How many of y'all are here today? <laughs> if God says be quiet, are you willing to be quiet? You see, it's all spectrum. It's all where you're at. And the issue is obedience. The issue to the children of Israel was not, hey, God says, I want you to shout because the resonance of your voice and the power of these sound waves are going to just obliterate the walls. He didn't tell them that. He just, I just want you to shout. And I want you to do it before you see the walls come down. I want you to praise before you see the healing. I want you to give God glory before you see the breakthrough. You see, the key is when we're ready for breakthrough to take place in our lives, when strongholds, we're tired of them. Listen, you know we don't change until we're tired of it, right? That's when we really change. We're tired of it. You keep coming against that same thing over and over and over again. You're like, God, why can't I trust you? Why can't I see this? Can I tell you, when you get to that point of frustration, spiritual frustration, you get a hold of God's promise and say, I am not going to stop believing. I'm not going to talk myself out of it. And I'm going I'm to do what God says because I'm going to break out. And I'm going to break through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. But again, he says, if you do that, then here's what you need to remember. Be guarded with your words. Now, this is not like old word of faith, like really hyper faith kind of things that just get really out of bounds. It's like, don't say you're sick, because you know, then, then you're, no. I, I serve a real God. If I'm sick, I'm miserable. Can I get a witness? Denise knows. And if I'm praying, I'm like, God, I'm sick. I don't like it. And it's not a matter of me claiming something by faith. Now I'm going to live with that. No, it's just saying, God, I'm sick, but you're greater than my sickness. God, my marriage may be struggling, but you're greater than that, God. God, God, I may be battling these thought pattern of defeat that I don't know why it's coming. Can I tell you, that happened to me last weekend. If you were here last Sunday, man, we had a, we had a breakdown time. I mean, God was in the house. It was moving. People's lives were being changed. The stories I was getting on the way out was awesome. I get home that afternoon, and Denise takes her Sunday afternoon nap, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I just get overwhelmed with this spirit of dread. I mean, to the point, serious, like, God, what did I do wrong? 
I mean, it was palpable. It was, it was, it was tangible around me. And I, and I, I sat there in it for about 10 minutes, just, just let my mind just got, what, what happened? What did I say? What did I not say? Because when you make your living with your mouth, you say things you forget sometimes. And I, I'm like, play the tape. What did I say? God, I'm, I'm going through this. And finally, it just hits me. I'm like, no, no. And I began to quote the verses that I, I was taught even as a child to, to understand, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. God, you are the answer. God, you are the breakthrough. And I just began to proclaim by faith. I didn't need a band. I didn't need a rhythm. I just began to praise God ahead of the breakthrough. And I can tell you, it was a moment, and it just, it just ceased. And guys, we have to have that authority to say, when we see bondage, we need to guard our words because it would have been so easy to go, oh, I just must have blown it. I, I mean, I, just, I, I, just could, I could just bound myself up into this defeatist attitude. Instead, I start praising God to break out because we've got to guard our words. We've got to praise it forward. God will help us do that. And then when we do that, we are exalting our faith. Listen, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So in other words, faith doesn't come when we see the answer. Faith comes before it. And guys, when we start walking in faith and we start praising it forward, we start letting the breath of the Holy Spirit go through us, we begin to call things and promises of faith, then God begins to break through in our lives. And I know this morning there's some of you that are here. Those strongholds are very real. I don't, I, I don't have to sit down and try to be the Holy Spirit for you and name them. You know where your stuck places are. You know where that relationship just seems like it can't go any further. You know that pattern of thought that you fall back in again and again and you wonder why you walk in failure. This is not some head game thing like talk yourself into it. No, it's saying get the promises of God to your area. Get the promises of God in your life. Line it up. And begin to speak praise over those things before you ever even see them. And when you do that, I will assure you, God will begin to move in your life, and he might even show you some steps of obedience that he wants you to take. And the question is, are you willing to take them? Guys, I don't know about you, but bondage is not, not fun. Patterns of thought that destroy are not good. The so self-conscious look at yourself, you're just constantly examining yourself, is not good. Lift your eyes to the one who's the king. Lift your eyes to the one who can set you free. I want you to stand with me. It's very tempting when you teach on Jericho to say, okay, let's have a shout. And we might do that. It's also very scary. I grew up in a church that they thought, Jericho March was part of the liturgy. I remember as a kid walking around the sanctuary with all the adults, and you were just, you know. And, and then one day I got smart enough to think: Are they thinking the walls are like going to fall down here, or what? You know, I, I couldn't understand the stronghold part of it. But what it taught me was, God has ways of working. Now man can mess those up, but it doesn't mess God up. And some of you this morning, sincerely. You need a shout moment. Some of you need to just let it rip. Just everything that's in you that's been built up. We are starting hope. And I'll tell this last story and we'll, we'll pray. A lot of y'all know our story. A lot of y'all are new. We've been telling our story. But 
in that first year of Hope's existence, uh, we don't remember a lot about it. My wife got very, very sick. We spent a month and a half in the hospital together. And I remember getting home. We lived in this little neighborhood back over here off Mallard Creek where the houses kind of surround you, you know, you can't get any privacy. And I didn't know my neighbors. But one day I had, I had just had it with just those oppressive thoughts and all the stuff that was just beating me down. And I walked out in the backyard, freaked the dog out. And I was like, God, enough already. If I did something wrong, take me out. But I believe that your promises are true, so do something about this, okay? Amen. Walked back in the house. Man, I knew all my neighbors the next week. It was amazing. Sometimes you just got to have a breakthrough. It's not fanaticism. It's just we're fed up. I don't want to be in bondage anymore. I don't want you to be in bondage anymore. So here's the question today. What do you want to do about that? Because God's promises are to all of us.